Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 71, Coronavirus with a Lemon or a Lime. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here with my good friend, Jesse Fury. We are, I believe, six feet from one another, at, at least, least, probably ten. Least. So we are not spitting... Strange no RNA transfer <laughs> genetic elements in droplets into the air, uh, but yeah, man, this is a this is an unplanned episode, um, coronavirus episode, That's I right. suppose, because what else is everyone strange talking about? Strange, in. strange times. This has been bizarre, and and here Blacksburg kind of has a, a alternative name that sometimes college students give the town in the winter. Uh, where it can be called Bleaksburg. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Um, just in light of the grayness sometimes of winter, obviously a, a blue sky winter day in Blacksburg is fantastic because you're in these rolling hills. Uh, but today and yesterday and probably tomorrow, um, we're dealing with kind of gray skies, empty streets, full Kroger's, um, people getting paper towels, toilet paper. I don't understand the toilet paper, but people are, get, <laughs> are getting oh, it. Man, you the, know. Even down here, they're... It's gone. Yeah, make sure you got clean underwear, I guess. It's gone. Um, man, so you you and I are going to podcast probably a little more frequently, maybe trying to go yeah. a little more often because uh, a lot of our main work, uh, Jesse's a pastor and a trainer of pastors, so coaching his church as well as other I'm, churches. I'm learning on, how to use Zoom. On how to cancel everything. That's yeah. right, yeah, and cancel a lot. Yeah, and then not only that, Reed, but uh, there's a... People have a lot more, a lot more time on their hands, a lot more time to listen or, uh, you know, there's only so much good content out there. Yeah. And everybody around the world, just so you know, in our area, we have two major universities, Radford University, Virginia Tech, both canceled at spring break, sent the students home and then are going to be virtual for yeah. the rest of, yeah. yeah. So they're done. Yeah. Uh, the public schools in our state, Virginia are completely, at least for now, done. And uh, I, and I, and I would guess done probably for, I can't imagine I don't coming know, back man. next week, man. It's a source it's, of interesting it's, it's uh, conversation in our house. Yeah. We have three public school kids who are home like, at least for two weeks. Yeah. And then probably a lot longer in light of the recent, you know, eight weeks, no more than 50 people together kind of. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Counsel given by the Centers for Disease Control. So, And then and then, uh, uh, part of what I'm doing training pastors is we're, we're teaching classes through Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, also gone all digital, all virtual. Are you doing your class on Zoom? Yeah, I guess? we'll have to do even even our distance class. We'll do on Zoom for a while. Wow. wow. So yeah, everything came to a grounding heart. Jesse, I just wanted to start today just um, with a, a discussion of how, how your experience of this has been, uh, your own inner life or your own family or just how you've been feeling or thinking or, um, yeah, what what what's it triggered in you or Oh, provo- man. Yeah, provoked. I don't like uh, – we're using the word triggered. We're in a triggered, safe space, so there's me. no triggering. <laughs> <laughs> want to ban, ban the words trigger, spaces. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, the, okay, but anyway. Uh, uh, well, man, both uh, Jenny and I have been sick. Like flu-like type um, stuff? Just like common cold stuff. Yeah, not coronavirus. Not coronavirus. To your knowledge. I, I, I don't believe so. Right. And um, – and so, so more, I, I typically, when I get sick, I don't worry at all. You just kind of shut uh, down. I just, yeah, shut the systems down. Well, really, frankly, mostly just take a bunch of medicine and keep going. Right. Uh, been a little bit more worry than, than usual. Um, you know, a little bit more, 
Uh, I kind of live by the life rule of don't look up my symptoms. Uh, <laughs> but but there's been a little more looking up, you know, symptoms and and, and WebMD is not your friend unless you're an MD, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so that that's been a little bit weird, you know, just kind of having a little more of a baseline um, uh, anxiety than usual with yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, oh man, it's, I, I will say this. And you're a homeschool family, right? Yeah, we're a homeschool family. We've been, we've been training for this moment. So the ki- yeah, yeah. You're, you're here to teach the world. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, uh, not, not a lot has changed for our family. Um, I will say Jenny does, my wife, Jenny does a, a fantastic job getting our kids involved in a lot of, um, social activities. Uh, so all that stuff's gotten shut down, right? So they've got a co-op once a week. They they do this other thing once a week. So they, they're aware of the shutdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um so that's changed quite a bit. So a lot more time just at home, uh, but not not a significant change, right? It, it's not like we just got four kids back from the public school. Are they Are they saying, Daddy, what's social distancing or anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> um, we did explain social distancing, oh. uh, or, or we did. We have talked through like why is it these things are happening. Why right. aren't you going to this thing on Thursday? Why, why aren't we spending as much time with friends? Why aren't we going to church on Sunday? Why did my friends just disappear on me? I'm, yeah. I'm calling yeah. it pandemical ghosting yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to make myself <laughs> laugh. And, uh, not yeah, no. Yeah. Your friends, why did my friends ghost me? Yeah. Well, my, my kids don't know what that means. So, um, no, yeah, but we have been explaining, you know, everything from, um, uh, th- and this is why washing your hands is important. Right. Um, right. Uh, to uh, I should quit touching my face like I was just touching my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and even things for us are uh, my wife Jenny's mom just moved into town. You know, in the fall, and she's uh, she's seventy. Yeah. And so so we're trying to keep our distance there too. Like um, you know, and so why is it that we're not over there more often? Why are we being more careful about that? Just explaining some of that. Uh, I do feel a little bit like um, I I've got some excitement for my own. Uh, I feel like, so life space, space yeah, in your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and even vocationally read. So yeah. maybe, maybe I'm alone here, but, um, I feel like I've got, uh, my Ram, my, my like internal Ram is always spinning. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fan on my, on my, uh, on my, my 1990s Dell desktop is just always on. Your CPU is crazy. CPU is cranking. <laughs> yeah, your, and, your RAM is a storage, usually a quick access storage thing. But that that would be cranking too if your yeah, CPU is moving. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like um, so much. I've got so much of this sort of backlog of um, of work that I can't get to because mm. I'm meeting with people. Right. And so suddenly I'm looking out at my schedule. And nobody going, can meet with you. I can't meet with people. Yeah. Uh, I can get this stuff done. So, so I've, I've been kind of checking some things off the list and it feels so good to check things off the list. Yeah. So, so there's some, there's a little bit of, of excitement for me of some projects that I've, I've been wanting to get to that I'm going to be a little able to unexpected get to. space. Yeah. Right yeah in yeah, life. Yeah, 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 man. It's, I've had a little bit of a, um, a roller coaster with this thing yeah. because I was traveling heavily from mid January to just last week. I mean, Bro, I you're, was you're, you travel. You, our listeners know you travel heavily. Well, all the time. Well, I don't. I have I have punctuated spots in the year where I travel very okay. heavily, okay. and then I have stretches where I don't. But this past two months, I was in Florida, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, North Carolina, New Jersey, Florida again, Woo! Texas, North Carolina again, Oklahoma City. Now back. Are you to the Virginia. one that has been spreading well, this my, virus? My wife is convinced I had coronavirus, but obviously we'll never. No, 
Um, I got you, very, you were sick. I, I got man. real oh, sick. Man, you were sick. And then my wife got sick after, and now our family's all healthy. Um, no fevers, no anything. But it was hard. I had to work through a lot. And then uh, I was looking forward to mid March because every year my son and I go to the NCAA wrestling tournament. In fact, I got on my uh, UNC wrestling shirt that was supposed to be worn on Friday man. this week in the arena in Minnesota. And so our heels. I was super bummed, man. I was like hoping because the conference tournaments got in. I was hoping they would make it to the NCAA's, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, they're going to run it without fans." And I'm like, oh, "At least I can watch it on ESPN. I'll stay home and watch it." Yeah, and, have like a watching party, you and Tommy. Yeah, and then they just canceled it. And then, quite frankly, I was kind of mad. I was like reading Elon Musk Twitter, you know, where he's like, "Well, this is the flu, and who cares?" And I was kind of like, "Man, I was frustrated. I think this is an overreaction." Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got really sad when they canceled school. I kind of felt like punch in the stomach, ma- mainly for Kayla. Um, it, my nickname for her is my baby duck, and whether I, whenever I get soft feelings towards her, I like, "Oh, my baby duck." But <laughs> senior you know, year, yeah, she's a senior in high school, yeah, and she lost her last year in middle school to a very, very disastrous leg break yeah. where she missed the last six weeks of school, barely got to go to graduation, and so she's like, "It's happening again." She lost her orientation in April at her at university where she's mm-hmm. going, and at Washington and Lee, and. So she was just like, well, I guess I'll lose my soccer season and prom and graduation, which right now kind of is on the table. And so I think I was sad. Um, and then the more kind of talking to friends and praying and researching, obviously I'm fully on board with what everyone's uh, doing with, with uh, pandemical ghosting. Um, no group gatherings. I'm fully right, on board right. with it. I'm not resistant to it. I'm not mad anymore. I'm frustrated. But it was hard, man, thinking through um, stuff that we really like. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in fact, I tweeted this. It's actually now like you know, I, it was a lot of people looking at this tweet where I said, like, we can't get so f- afraid of death that we lose the passion to live. And I still believe that. Yeah. Um, because there are some realities where like, hey, people are dying. 150,000 people are dying every day. No more people are dying. So um, we've got to keep keep living. But, man, just looking at some of the research on how pandemics work or how this virus could take off without kind of this really, really hardcore um, distancing uh, could be really bad. In which My my daughter, Kylene, said, hey, don't watch the movie Contagion because she had to watch it at school last year. None of us have seen it. Apparently, it's kind of this scenario, but with Gwyneth Paltrow. And Marky Mark or something, you know. Oh, uh, Marky Mark! I think, it? I think Man, so. I'll watch any Marky Mark. I, I movie. think he's the guy, and I, I could be wrong. Um, but it's obviously on Netflix and on uh, iTunes Movie Store. Yeah, I saw it suddenly top. it it popped up in like the top three uh, yeah. most watched shows on Netflix. Yeah, I was like maybe we'll watch Outbreak, which is the Motaba virus, which is more like Ebola than the, the apparently contagion is a respiratory thing. So. Yikes. Hey, that's what we're talking about today, Corona. Now, I'm going to use a terrible metaphor, Jesse. Um, that sounds know, great. Let's go for it. Corona, people have had the jokes, right, on Twitter about Corona. Not a very good beer, in uh, my the opinion. Beer, yeah, yeah. Um, barely good enough for a metaphor beer. But um, obviously, um, if you want a, a different kind of beer in that same genre, get Dos Equis. Uh, it's, it's, it's better. Um, but obviously, Corona is one of these beers like uh, Blue Moon where you put fruit in it. Mm. Um, that should give you a tip, guys, not to drink those beers. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> my wife loves Blue Moon. So anyway, she, she likes to put the fruit in the beer thing. But, you know, they put a Corona out. They're going to stick a lime in it um so today the question i'm asking is do we want our coronavirus with a lemon or a lime and now my mom she used to say this all the time um 
who's also an older person who she's having a surgery today on, mm. on a cancer on her, on her face. So pray for my mom. But she used to say when life gives you lemons, uh, you make lemonade. You know, lemons are kind of sour. You, nobody wants to be sucking lemons, right? Oh, this stinks. Um, but lemonade assumes you have some things, right? Assumes man, you, it, man, it's good with sugar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you gotta have some gotta water, have that sugar, maybe some pure cane sh- sugar, not not high fructose corn syrup. But um, if you don't have sugar in water, you're really all you're left with with a lemon is sucking on a lemon, man. Or unless you're cooking fish or something. So Corona is a little better with a lime than a lemon. So we're asking the question: How do we look at life? Um, when obviously none of us would have chosen to have, however it came out, you know, I'm not going to get into all the uh, large nation states quibbling about who gave coronavirus to the world. Mm. Um, I'm certainly not even going to say that because then you'll get accused of all sorts of things. But how 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 we arrived here is not really pertinent. But how none of us, none of us would have chosen to be social distancing today, to be canceling church services, to be canceling sports. My son is so devastated by the pre- oh, Premier man. League. We can't watch Premier League. So he, he, he'll be, Dad, it'd be great if we were out of school for months. We could watch <laughs> soccer all day. March Madness, no, man. Yeah, we're watching, we're, you know. We're missing it you know, right Tar Heels, now. Tar Heels weren't going to make it. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. yeah, you know, March Madness. Um, quite literally, I would have been on a plane to Minnesota today with my boy, which is kind of our main trip. We've talked about everything on that trip, about growing up, puberty, sex, everything. Guys talking about life, Jesus, man, it's just been great. Yeah. So we're not doing that. None of us would have chosen to do that. And so, and this happens at an interesting time in our culture. We've been talking here on the, on the podcast about shifts, right? And worldviews, young people, and certainly the growing, uh, social separation that yeah. already existed with our cultural, uh, realities. In fact, I ran into a, um, an article that just came out, I believe today or yesterday called, we don't want a relationships pandemic by a guy named Robert Hall. And in this is on the Institute of family studies, uh, blog. Um, and his article was called avoiding a relationships pandemic. And he said, look, the consequences are even more disturbing. Now we face an epidemic already of loneliness that has increased 65% in the last decade. The rise in loneliness and relational despair are associated with grim, Outcomes. Here is how I described this in another essay. He said this, We have invented ghastly new terms like deaths of despair to chronicle an increase in drug-related deaths of 108%, alcohol-related deaths by 69%, and suicides 35% amongst 18 to 34-year-olds between 2007 and 2017. Loneliness, which has the same mortality effect as smoking, and twice that of obesity has jumped mm. 65% in the last decade. And that's kind of crazy, right? That loneliness yeah. has such an adverse effect on our both mental and physical health. He continues, as smoking declined and healthier eating becomes more popular, isolation has stepped in and filled the mortality void. Overall life expectancy declined for the first time since the early 1900s. John Ortberg's words have never been truer. We would be better to eat Twinkies together than to eat broccoli alone. So we're social distancing. I How mean, do we... I, I just I, I agree with that anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twinkies together. <laughs> yeah, well, that reminds me of that. Uh, wasn't it in Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell's book? Um, uh, 
uh, outliers, right? He talked about the the little town in Pennsylvania made up of Italians, oh. and it, it was the only town. It had a shockingly low rate of heart disease, disease or something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And they couldn't figure out why because they like ate fatty food, they smoked cigarettes, they did all the things you would expect a small Italian town transplanted into yeah. Western Pennsylvania. But uh, wasn't the outlier that wasn't it that they spent, time, they spent time. They spent time together. together. Yeah, they they were uh, more likely to sing to each other in the streets than that's uh, right. Maybe the New York City folks would do, or 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 uh, maybe even you know people that have a lot of physical distance, like here in, yeah. in more rural areas. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 sense of like community actually makes a difference to uh, relational nearness and shared experiences make a physical difference in, yeah. our, in our health. And we think about it how how we react to. Uh, a viral pandemic or, you know, extended times isolated due to, you know, the good, the good public health concerns that we all have. Um, how we respond to these things really is going to flow out the things we've been talking about here, right, Jesse, in terms of uh, our worldview, our life view, the things that we trust. Because look, before you head into a certain circumstance, whatever is foundational in your life is what you stand on as you walk into and through various circumstances. And certainly in our time now, um, there, there is panic, there's fear, fear of death. People, people are dying. People are going to die. Um, people are blaming people, right? Uh, blaming Donald Trump, blame the Democrats, blame the Republicans, blame the ventilators, blame the Chinese, blame the Americans. Um, this is all happening in our society today. And then I just wanted to ask the question, how do we, uh, as you and me, like as, as followers yeah. of Jesus, right? We've been talking about creation and fall. God created a good world. It's broken. So we expect to see things like teleology or telos, purpose, design of the world, but also this teleology, right? Yeah. Brokenness, flawedness, viruses, death, um, redemption. This isn't the end. And then restoration or kingdom coming consummation. How should we see coronavirus? How should we see or how could we see social distancing? How do we see our own mortality in life as we walk into these woods, so to speak? I mean, certainly Kylene, she was like, don't watch contagion. We'll just get all freaked out. And I was like, you know, there is a reality. You know, we watched the video earlier just uh, in California of looked like oh, a yeah. 14 mile line of carts at Costco, right? Yeah, Probably yeah. All, all looking for toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah. How do we look at fear? Um, as a follower of Jesus. Now, um, years ago when beginning a church planting journey uh, in New Jersey, Jesse, I read a book called Running Scared. It's about fear and anxiety by a guy named Dr. Ed Welch. And he said this, to understand fear, we must also look at ourselves and the way we interpret our situations. Those scary objects can reveal what we cherish, what we love. Mm. Mm. They point out our insatiable quest for control, and our sense of aloneness. Even the vocabulary of fear indicates that the problem can be deeper than a real objective danger. While fear refers to the experience when a car races towards us and we barely escape, anxiety or worry is the lingering sense after the car has passed that life is fragile and we are always vulnerable. The terrain is fear and anxiety. You are familiar with it, and you are not alone. So we want to say to all our friends out there who are listening in that 
to be afraid, right? Um, to have some worry or anxiety is very human. Um, yet at the same time, uh, Dr. Welch's book also says one of the most repeated imperatives, or you know, all you Greek uh, and Hebrew students know, or English grammar students that, like I wasn't, know that an, <laughs> know that an imperative is a command. So one of the most repeated commands in the Bible is to do not be afraid. So that's interesting in itself that God would acknowledge that we're that we are afraid we are going to be afraid that yeah. we needed to be reminded to fear not or do not be afraid. Man, yeah. that's a real interesting uh, collision: human frailty, knowing our mortality, knowing the dangers of this world outside of Eden. That God would call us to fear not. Man, how do we mix that up together? Yeah, yeah, man. I think that's that's such a such a worthy thing for us to kind of dive into. And I imagine Reed will be talking about this for weeks to come. Yeah, for sure. A lot of this is, is how, how do we actually, um, uh, put this into practice? Yeah. Right. A like, week from now, yeah, two, a month from yeah, now, and yeah. depending on what happens, right. Right. Yeah. If, yeah, I was if, thinking through, um, one of my, uh, regular habits in life is praying Psalm 23 in the morning. Yeah. Um, so t- Psalm 23, uh, Pretty much every morning I have the same routine. I, I get up, I go sort of like a zombie, walk out to my coffee maker, and I grind my coffee beans. Right, right. Uh, which, are, which are locally roasted by... Kind of like your friend. ritual ablutions or something, <laughs> pouring <laughs> out right. water yeah. over your coffee yeah. beans. And while I'm doing this, I'm, I'm praying out loud, quietly. Uh, well, I'm just saying Psalm 23, and then, and then typically I just go where that leads me in prayer. Which for you guys out there, if you're less familiar with the Bible, this is the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, and right, right in the want. middle, yeah. uh, there's this this part in there of, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then it immediately, trans- so so immediately already there, It's this is a valley, but we're going through it. So it's not like though I'm stuck in the valley, though I'll never leave the valley. Uh, though you left me in the valley, this is the end. Is, yeah, it, it's actually the the picture is is that the, we're com- we're coming through this. You are with me, so there's now there's a shepherd with me. Yeah. Uh, his rod and his staff are both going to be uh, you know protecting and disciplining, and and there's some things with that leading. But, yeah, and then but then the transition into the into the host language, like that's really the Lord is my shepherd, but it's the Lord, should should be the Lord is my shepherd and my host. Yeah is this kind of, um, you know, what we would consider to be an eschatological or uh, uh, a, a long-term end-time uh, hope. Future man, hope. Man, one day I'm going to be eaten. Yeah, <laughs> one, yeah. And so so for me, just having that as part of my prayer life in the morning, yeah, it really does help reset and, and set me in, in a time of, uh, uh, here are my things that I'm afraid of today. Yeah. Um, the, um, the Bible tells us to do not be afraid, but also... You know, has things like Ecclesiastes twelve, fear God. Oh, keep, interesting. Keep, yeah, keep His commandments. You know, or uh, Proverbs one, the the fear of the Lord, or the fear of Yahweh, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so, the interesting thing is, if we don't fear God, um, there's a lot of other things in life to fear. Now, the fear of the Lord is a complex theological right, concept. Right. We're not going to get into in detail today, but it has to do with reverent awe and knowing God is God and respectful uh, creature creation. And, uh, and, and I would even argue that, I mean, I would even add to that, um, 
some sense of a final judgment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so the immediate right now, he's got the control. Yep. Uh, and then also one day I will have to stand before him. That's right. Yeah. That, that there's this accountability as a creature created yeah. Yeah. by God yeah. that we live in. And if we don't, there there is some uh, lies that I think human beings begin to believe very quickly. And I think some of those are coming forth in, in a time like this, in this pandemic. Uh, the first thing I think if you don't fear God, you start to believe is like somehow the world is under our control this is a facade we live under many times, particularly in kind of mechanized, scientific, uh, Western civilization. Somehow we can control things. And all of a sudden we're like, wow, we're, we can't control anything, right? Um, uh, somehow we think death isn't happening every day into every one of us, right? We forget that real quick because we, we don't think I stand before God or, or I, I'm finite or I have mortality. Um, or that we think that through our own powers, expertise, scientific knowledge, that we can harness everything. Um, and then we end up fearing, right? Because we can't control life. We can't control nature. Uh, we can't control death. We certainly are trying to control a virus. It's a little tiny microscopic thing that is utterly out of our control. And the other option, right, if you do, like, have a worldview that includes God, um, there's things like this. This is a precious passage to me, yeah. um, even as a as a competitive Division One athlete, Jesse. I remember this verse. I learned it as a young Christian in college. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you, right? Yeah. Like, for me, it's like we're not just in this world fighting a battle without someone who cares about us, right? Yeah. That yeah, even... That- yeah, go ahead. No, that second part of the verse there is, I mean, that's the, you know, uh, that's the part that like really gets me even now. Um, just being reminded, it's not cast your, all your anxieties on him because it'll be better for you or because, you know, he's a big God. Yeah, but, big and strong. Yeah. yeah, but because he cares. Yeah, He cares yeah. for you. This is a quote of a psalm as well, which is a long tradition uh, in those who are in covenant with God is that he loves his people. Um, he cares for the dying. Blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, mm. right? The mm. the reality is is that no matter what we face, right, um, we know we're loved, we're cared for by a sovereign God who created all things. If that's not true, then what is true? Well, we know the terrors of the night, the darkness in us, the darkness in others, the uncertainty of life outside of the garden is upon us every day, every night. And what do we do? How do we deal with that, right? Um it's very different. I, I still have a very clear, I think it's one of the reasons, Jesse, to be honest, why I enjoy non-Christians is because I still can think like one. Um, I, I spent 20 years of my life really yeah. not a guy at all uh, who was trusting in God. I was trusting myself, man, and just like, work. I got to work hard. I got to justify myself. I got to make people like me. I got to win. I got to try. And man, that, when it's all on you or all on us, or you think, this is something I've seen a lot, it's all on the president. Yeah. People people lose their minds, man. It's uh it's shocking. How do we deal with life when we realize that uh the world is empty? Uh the world is uh, a dark space um and our end is coming, right? It's not any different. Uh everyone dies. 150,000 today. Uh, how do we deal with that? Well, it's very different uh depending on who you are and what you believe about life, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because what you believe about life, we've been talking on the podcast, you know, derives where we get meaning from. Yeah, we talk. I, I think I mentioned last time, 
that that really profound uh, Alistair McIntyre uh, idea of um, before I can answer the question, what what ought I to do? I I have to answer the question of which story am I a part of? Yeah. And, yeah. and so and so really that not not only that we would add, I think read. Uh, who's the hero of this story? That's right. Uh, who, that's right. Who am I placing my hope in? Here? Is it the Department of Health and Human Services? Well, I want that guy to do a good job. Yeah. But is my ultimate trust right? Right. In these people? I yeah. Don't, or I, is it me? Is it you know? I've got yeah. Yeah. Right. I got to get enough toilet paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got to make sure that uh, you, you know, know. You know, like a thousand, fifteen, uh, maybe a few thousand years ago, you go out. You gotta. You gotta come home with the with the with the spoils of the hunt. Yeah. You gotta. Now, be, now gotta it's eat. like. I got toilet paper. Yeah, enhanced sanitizer. <laughs> I did it. Well, man, I was reminded of how precious, right, the truth of the gospel is. Because I think in, in looking at coronavirus, there's a few things that all of us can do. First of all is to know who we are, right, um, and certainly the story that defines us. Uh, I, re- I read this on uh, the Gospel Coalition yesterday, I believe. It was by Justin Taylor. He was looking at... J.I. Packer's modern classic book, Knowing God, and I believe the the uh, chapter on adoption, where he kind of summarizes Christianity's adoption through pro- propitiation. Packer, he's an old Anglican <laughs> scholar, obviously, but that God adopts us by making a sacrifice for our mm. sins, where Jesus willfully chooses to die for us as our substitute, and we're brought into God's covenantal family. And and Packer gives kind of this little simple. A catechism or a daily reminder that had six parts, and uh, it's very simple. And I think you guys out there listening should really understand this. Maybe when you're doing your ritual ablutions in the morning, whether that's washing <laughs> your hands or making coffee, uh, or just getting up for your day, uh, to be reminded of these things. These these six things: I am a child of God. Right? Who's our? Who is? Uh, who? Who am I? I'm a child of God. Number two: God is my Father. Right? That's our paternity. Heaven is my home, the kingdom, right? We belong there. Every day is one day nearer to that reality, number four. Number five, my Savior Jesus is my brother. Uh, Number six, every Christian is a brother or sister too. Um, And then a guy on Twitter added to this, which I think is good, number seven, this is not Packer, but uh, every human being is my neighbor. Um, These reminders uh, help us to sustain a, a really a knowledge of who we are as we go through whatever, because we don't know where this thing leads. Maybe all this uh, pandemical ghosting just ends up uh, flattening the curve, so to speak, and we all kind of come out of this thing in the summer and feel pretty good about it and develop a vaccine and continue on on our on our way. What way? That's a big question. Or maybe it turns into this martial law, bridges are closed, Folks are quarantined crazy, right, where, you know, the zombies are coming out and stuff. Maybe it goes to that way. Either way, I think knowing who we are as we enter and as we go through and as we enter eternity will always be uh, important. And mm. so how do we remember who we are? You know, some church planners that, that I coach and I'm friends with, Jesse, I mentioned to you earlier when you got to the shed quarters, have been, you know, putting their lists of, hey, what what should I be doing if I'm trying to launch, you know, on Easter? And now I'm delayed, maybe in the summer. And like, and like, ninety percent of my work is go get out into the community and meet people, meet, meet people, people, meet people meet build people. a team. Yeah, and now, and now I got to stay six feet away. Yeah, or yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. And so, but they're they're the guys are thinking really well on the things to do yeah. on their task list, so to speak. And but one of the things that I I keep reminding guys is like, first of all, take care of your own soul and your walk yeah. with God, right? 
right? Read things that provoke your love for Christ so that your hope in him is sustained. That could mean biographies or church history or devotional works, certainly the scriptures, right? Either listening to them, reading them with your own eyes. Uh, paper books, that kind of thing, um, and and to know who you are, continue to get slow time with your people, like the covenant community, uh, your family. Um, if you're taking walks with people, I, like your wife, obviously, if you're in your own family, you can do family walks. You don't yeah. have you're not social distancing as much. But even if you're single, right, you can. I've seen people doing this, like. You can go for a walk with it or just stay away. You know, my daughter's out with a friend right now. I was like, yeah. hey, just sit across the table, stay, stay six feet, that kind of don't sneeze in each other's faces. But don't uh, lose the connection points. And obviously, text messaging, Zooming, FaceTiming, Googling, all that stuff can help. But um, another thing I think to remember who we are to watch our heart and temptations uh, in this season. Um, I think it's a real easy time to get into excessive entertainment, right? Um, yeah. Get into some mess, maybe, you know, drinking too much, you know, get into some habits that aren't helpful yeah. in terms of feeling comforted, whether that's eating too much or watching things that we ought not put before our eyes. I think it's especially important to know who we are to watch those things. And then encourage your church family. If, if your church is doing um, online services or any sort of social interaction through chat and technology, uh, some of you are going to roll your eyes because you're cynical, Right. Um, to be honest, I have cynical tendencies. Um, just a few, just a few. (laughs) I tell Jesse everything I think that is, uh, BS, which my son will tell you means bad stuff, uh, in this world. Um, but yeah, try not to be so cynical, right? Ask some, ask a friend how they're doing, uh, join in on the Facebook chats or whatever platforms you're using with your church to interact. And remember, don't forget the big whys behind the mission of God. And don't forget the world is broken, and that we're here to love and to serve as God seeks and saves the lost through mm. us. And I think we do some of those things. We can remember uh, who we are. Yeah, last night um, uh, with our church, we had our, our children's ministry director. Um, she started a... Shout out Joy. Joy, what's up? Joy started a, um, a, a Marco Polo, so video chatting kind of app. App, yeah. And um, and uh, so she started it with just uh, you know you got you got all these all these moms who are suddenly stay at home moms right yeah, and it's yeah. it's a it's a weird time yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> every mom is now a stay at home mom that's right uh, yeah uh, oh, whoops and so in and, and so she started this Marco Polo and it was kind of a um, hey just want to check in how how are things going and man it was popping off like crazy um, my wife was on it and for like forty straight minutes you've got. We're a, we're not a big church, right? Like we've got maybe close to two hundred members, so we're not a tiny church, but um, small town church. A lot of students, a lot but they're all students. gone now. Yeah. yeah, but you you know, it, it was just really delightful to to um, be privileged to uh, get a little listen in. I, I had to leave the room at certain points where I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. But <laughs> but, uh, but it was really cool to see that kind of um, you know the fear was now you got more and more distancing and isolation. Yeah. Uh, how can we make sure we don't, you know, we bring people yeah. together? So, yeah, the article from Robert Hall on relationship don't make a relationship pandemic, even though we're separating from people. Um, he, at the end of that article, he says something really interesting. Um, he's quoting an admiral in the Navy. He said, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. Mm. And he says, hey, just we need to apply that rule to relationships. If you want to change the world, especially one engulfed in coronavirus, Start off by making your relationship bed. And what does that mean? He says that means starting each day with a commitment to do one proactive relational task. You might call uh, interruption of your normal routine a relationship break. Make sure you send a note or a text to someone dear 
call someone in need, reach out to say thank you to someone, say you're sorry. If you've got some messed up, really messed mm. up relationship, man, these times I think yeah. are smelling salts to say, hey, where can repentance, faith, and healing in that friendship relationship yeah. that's destroyed right now? What can you do with that? Ask someone for forgiveness or forgive someone. Uh, life's too short, right, to, to harbor bitterness. Maybe you just check in with someone or say nothing, but do something for someone that signals your attention, care, and love. And reaching out, consider how you can use the tone of what you say to touch them or even give them a hug in some way. Here is some hope. He ends his article this way. What if the loss of relational contact associated with this coronavirus impelled us to value our relationships more, resulting in a pent-up demand to connect? Amen. What if a new generation of post-coronavirus survivors were to become more intentional about developing stronger relationships, less confined to tech-addicted, tech tribal, and divisive ways? This crisis is going to be tough, so it would be ashamed if we waste it by failing to find new ways to build strong valuable relationships. I think that's a great exhortation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like, uh, in our own particular area, creating, creating these webs of connection that are happening, uh, uh, through media as much in some, somewhat, somewhat personal when possible, but, um, in, in a way, in a hope that, Man, can you imagine in May, you know, when suddenly we can all meet again? Yeah. A lot of pastors are saying, can you imagine, how much people will enjoy coming back together. Yeah, that yeah. Have been I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's such a good, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to, I've got a few people I'm going to write letters to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wash my hands really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get out my paper. Which apparently mails fairly safe with this kind of yeah, virus. Yeah, yes. and I'm just going to, um, I got a few folks I've been meaning to write a letter to, and I'm going to write a letter to them. That's fantastic. I've been thinking... I've been uh, texting my dad here and there because he's actually in a nursing home yeah. in, in Virginia Beach, and they're fully locked yeah, down. Yeah. They don't even eat dinner together anymore. They got. I was joking with him yesterday. I was like, "Hey, man, I heard they're bringing you room service now. This taking care of you." And so, yeah, they're they're um, make sure we don't forget people that yeah. might feel forgotten. Yeah. Now, in terms of relationship, now I'm not trying to exclude. Look, man, if you're single out there listening to this, I'm not trying to exclude you. Right. Um, we love you, man. You, you you got your peeps, you got your crew, text them, see them carefully, safely. Uh, but a lot of folks are stuck in a house with their families now. Um, and Jesse, you guys are pros. Your, your kids are homeschooled. So not as, not, some people are like all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah. it's a very different reality. Yeah. Mom and well, dad aren't well, going to work. Yeah. Cause you throw the homeschooling on top of mom and dad aren't going to work. Now, yeah. you, might, now you might have dad is t- teleworking or working, yeah. working from home. Uh, that's a lot. So what we're doing, our, our routine is not disrupted very much. Right. But if I can't imagine if we were both working and now we're both in the home and all the kids are in the home. And they were in school or something all day be, oh gosh, with it, classes, it be, it, schedules, and everything. A lot of and challenge. A so, lot of challenge. Well, I want to give you guys a wrestling analogy. Um, when we when we in the sport of wrestling, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about WWE. Yeah, you're talking, w, you're, you're I'm talking Olympic you're talking Olympic collegiate. No, no, I'm not talking about those fools. I'm talking about like real wrestling where you have to have strength and technique to actually defeat your opponent. Um, we have this in, in coaching wrestling. I do a lot of coaching now. Um, we always encourage a wrestler to get to their positions, right? So get to the positions where you can score. So in your tie-ups or on your feet, get to the places where you're good and the other guy's not good so you can enforce your will on your opponent. And so I want to give this analogy to families. Um, this is early days, right? We could be in this situation for weeks, right? Maybe months. We're not sure. But if you're an organized family, typically – 
I would say get organized and get on a new schedule with your kids. Um, because if not, everybody's going to feel really yeah, alienated. And so I think it'll help kids with a sense of normalcy. If you're an organized family, go ahead and organize. Um, I was joking. We, we, my wife sent out a homeschool schedule to our kids who are 18, 16, and 13. It was a homeschool toddler schedule about what we were going to do in our home. And I mistakenly thought Casey was serious, but she was joking. I was like, yeah, we should do this is what I said. And my, and my, and I got the virtual eye rolls for my teenage girls. And later on, they're like, dad, we're not doing that. Just stop it. Just don't even joke about that. But today when I got up, I said, Hey guys, since we're going to be in this for a little while, let's think through our schedule. And not so much my my my, my middle daughter, Kylie, 16 years old. She said, Dad, I'm getting up. I'm doing math at 7 a.m. And she started ripping off this ridiculous nerdy. She's, she's, she's on it, she's, bro. She's like, yeah. I'm so glad I can do school virtually. <laughs> and it's, oh, my gosh. Um, she's a rare She's a she's rare very person. rare. Yeah. So I said, no, no, no. I, I don't mean that independently and individually we will schedule things and get stuff done during the season. I was like, we need to make a schedule so we'll be present together. Yeah. So we're going to say, you know, we're, we're working on it on a whiteboard here, uh, Casey and I soon, uh, 10 to 12 schoolwork or family devotions. We're going to hit back to where like when our kids were little, little was a very, very uh, pr- prominent part of our lives. Yeah. We're excited to get back to that. And then uh, scheduling TV and media and dinner time um, so that we won't just sit and veg and watch like six hours of television at night or something. So we're working on that. Now, if you're unorganized and more, or, let's just say you're an organically family, uh, slowly work to get on some sort of schedule together. Because if you lurch real quick all of a sudden and start drill sergeant your your family, I think that will be an awkward lurch for your kids that will could create fear in them, especially if they're little. Uh, too much of an abrupt change uh, might freak everyone out. And so um, get to your positions, get to where your family feels comfortable uh, and create that. You have to create it now because the school's not creating that, your work schedule your nine to five or whatever is not creating that. And so if you are working from home, do it. If you can't, um, if, if you're temporarily unemployed, I, I still want to encourage you to create some things to do. Maybe it's a, a physical project that you can do around the house, painting, woodworking, writing, um, these kinds of things, smoking meat, whatever it is, man, mm. uh, no sports to watch. So c- create something to do. Um, human beings are made to work and care for the garden. We're not made to just uh, vegetate. And so it may be work. Maybe you have some physical fitness goals. Maybe you have some time now to do some push-ups or do some squats in place. Believe it or not, um, swinging a, a can of beans up and down over your head or a kettlebell is one of the best exercises. Just squatting up and down in your in in place is one of the best I love exercises. That. Swinging swinging a can of beans. Amen. Man, well, we 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 grew up and we weren't very well off in our neighborhood, and so we would uh, soup cans. We would do um, uh, milk, milk milk jugs milk jugs filled with rocks. Yeah, because you're uh, strong like uh, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You only fill them halfway up when you're little, but then you fill them all the way up when you yeah, get bigger. Maybe maybe we'll do an exercise on home physical fitness during the <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah. Start yeah. with some. We started with just some of those big denty more uh, <laughs> soup, uh, so yeah, beef stew yeah, beef cans. Stew cans. You then you got strong. Those, and then when you get stronger, you move too on. Strong, to the too jokes. strong for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, get to your positions. If organized, get on the schedule. If not, slowly move towards creating a new normal for your organic family. If you're working from home, do it. Uh, don't work all the time. Pay attention to your family, uh, but do create some things to do. And then uh, finally, uh, as your family kind of. Uh, what are they calling it? Shelter in place. That's another ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're locking you man. up. They don't want to say quarantine. We're going to yeah. call New York City to shelter in place. If you're sheltering in faith, l- learn the rhythms of repentance and faith. 
Uh, you'll sin against each other. You'll respond uh, to each other's pro- provocations in close quarters. Um, both repentance. Hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, in faith. Hey, let's move forward in hope together. Uh, God will help us through this. Uh, do that. There was a joke on Twitter yesterday. It's like, hey, what's going to be more at the end of this quarantine uh, social distancing season? Uh, baby, is it a baby boon or divorce, divorce lawyers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like let's let's make some babies. Let's make love, not uh, marital war. War. Now, if your wife's sick, you're not going to make marital love until she's healthy. All right, guys, saying that for myself. Uh, <laughs> some real practical like pointers here. Okay. When it's a young 22-year-old Christian man, say, there will be times when you're married where you'll have to uh, be uh, abstinent as well. Amen. Let's go. Um, finally, Jesse, we have a couple minutes left. And, yeah. and not to labor this too long. We don't want this episode getting too long. Um, if you're out there listening and you're unsure of what you think about the world, about God, about viruses... Today's a good day to really look at some facts about life and reality. Uh, People die 150,000 roughly every day. Uh, You will die, right? All of us, young or old, we don't know when we're going to go. Could be now, could be later. Uh, The big question is what then? This is a shocking reality that uh, I think is good about seasons like this. Because many times we can watch uh, Premier League football. We can watch the March Madness. We can watch Netflix. We can chill. We can fill our lives with substances and busyness and work and money and forget that really we're all going to step off the edge of this ledge into eternity. And then what, right? And yeah, then what? yeah. So much, so much of our life is geared towards avoiding the question of. Uh, what will happen when I die? Yeah, and our own mortality, yeah, right? And, Facing the fragility. And a lot of that's been taken, yeah. right? A lot of those just, especially, yeah, yeah. And so if you're a Christian out there, don't be obnoxious with people. Um, but I do think this is a time for us to always say, what do we trust? What do we believe? You're, if you're not a Christian out there, this is certainly a time. Are, are we really trusting in um, the, the government's ability to get enough ventilators and then the world will be saved? Well, maybe for a day. But the reality is for all of us that it's appointed for us to live and to die. And the Bible says then judgment. We stand before God. And what does that mean, right? To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a beautiful thing that Jesus brought to us in the world where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me will live even though he die. And then he does a kindness to his friends and he asks them, do you believe this? And... The this is like, wow, does Jesus really have the power over life and death? And obviously, Jesse and I believe that he does. Years ago, when I became a Christian, um, I was studying physics and applied science and computer science at UNC Chapel Hill. And that's why I know that you're probably working your CPU and not your RAM. Both both probably <laughs> in play, but more probably appropriate analogy be CPU. Um where a friend told I'll, me, I'll never forgive you for that. I'll never forgive you for that. No. Okay, okay. Your hard drive is spinning yep. too. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a Voin Neumann fetch, fetch and execute yeah. architecture in this Jesse's brain. Me. I'm never going to forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three simple words a friend gave me in a dorm room grace, saved, and faith. I didn't know what they meant at the time. And obviously, over the years, and theological training and pastoring and all these different things. Those words have been filled in for me, but the simplicity hasn't been lost. 
Um, and I thank God for that because mm-hmm. grace is God's kindness towards sinners who are undeserving, right? That God loves us anyway, despite your failings, defi- despite your sins, despite your, your, your heart being turned away from God, God in his kindness pursues us anyway in love and not because of our merit wants to give us the gift of eternal life through mm-hmm. Jesus. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man or any person, any man or woman boast about it. Oh, I'm more religious than you. God's grace that saves. And then save, what? Spared, rescued and spared from disaster, right? Um, Though coronavirus may assail us, what can man do to us, right? The, The immortality, life and immortality in the gospel. God literally saves us from sin, from death and judgment, uh, fully and finally through the work of Jesus on a cross, and then he does that through faith. What does that mean? We trust him. We look at God. I say, God is my father. That's what the fear of the Lord is. God, I respect you. You're the rightful judge of all the earth. Mm. Um, I trust that Jesus died for my sins and so that I could be in re- right relationship with you. And then, right, we step into this wonderful life of gratitude where we know God's kindness, his mercy endures forever. It's extended to me, uh, your children, their children's children. This beautiful, covenantal, faithful love of God is ours so that it literally changes how we see everything, including pandemics, Mm. including coronavirus, so that we can say that not that I'm never going to be afraid that I I become Superman or or some of this nonsense, you know, pastors that are like, we're never canceling church because we're Christians. God is never going to give anybody... I saw this video online. I just wanted to puke and say, guys, this is not what it means to be a Christian. What it does mean, and this is in Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. I think this is a great place for us to close today, mm-hmm. Jesse. When I am afraid. Look, man, you can be a tough guy, tough, tough gal all you want, but there will be moments, right, when we're afraid. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Or what can little bits of viruses do to us? Mm. Jesse, we have great hope so that we can look at uh, the face of Jesus and say, I do not need to fear because he walks with us day by day. Hey, thanks for joining me today and catching up as always. Really enjoyed it. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Maybe after the quarantine. Maybe you got all the time in the world. Go write a long review about how much you enjoy the, the Underground. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, lemons and limes, coronaviruses and health, pandemics, epidemics, and freedom. Where will this world go? Only God's know, but uh, we're in his hands. Jesse, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Peace. Peace.